You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church Midtown. At the very beginning of the Bible, we see God's good vision for the world, creation in harmony with humanity, and humanity in harmony with God. Join us for our series, Sacred, Genesis 1 and 2. Last week, Pastor Jamal preached the first sermon in our sermon series on Genesis. His sermon, if you remember, focused on Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Verses which say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 31, my verses this morning, Moses explains, in my view, verses 1 and 2, by describing six days of creation, with the sixth day serving as the climax or the pinnacle of creation. As God created human beings, His most prized creation in his image on the sixth day. Today, I'll summarize very briefly the six days of creation and then offer some practical applications of the text. Next Lord's Day, Lord willing, Pastor Jamal will spend one entire sermon on the sixth day of creation. Before we walk through the text, however, a couple of introductory comments are in order. First, as many of you know, interpreters of Genesis debate chapters 1 and 2 for multiple reasons. However, I will not spend any time whatsoever engaging in these debates or discussing the interpretive challenges of the text. Instead, I'm simply going to state the basic point of the six days of creation as I see it, and then offer you some practical applications at the end. Second introductory word. I think the basic takeaway of Genesis chapters 1 and 2 is to tell us that God created the heavens, and the earth. He created everything. The one and true living God, the one and true God of Israel in the Old Testament, and the God of all who follow Jesus Christ, that God created everything. In my view, that's the point. To tell us, to tell Israel and us that your God is the God who delivered you out of slavery, and your God is the God who created you, and this God is the one and true living God, the God over all the gods of the other nations, that God, the one and only God in Trinitarian complexity. He and He alone is the Creator. And He created everything in the beginning good. 
The way in which Moses tells us these things in chapters 1 and 2 is by means of a beautiful poetic poetic fashion. This is one reason why, I think, after each day of creation, Moses uses the phrase evening and morning. Here's a little bit more context. In verses 1 and 2, Moses states that God created the heavens and the earth. In verses 3 through 13, Moses tells us that God created days of creation before the first solar day that occurs later in the text. In verses 3 through 31, he says God created the heavens and the earth in six days in order to highlight God's creative power. He emphasizes God's creative power by putting his most important aspect of creation on the sixth day, namely human beings. The sixth day of creation, as I said, that's the climax. That's the exclamation point of the text. As he created human beings, God that is, in his very own image. Then in chapter 2, Moses repeats the creation narrative by focusing on God's creation of humans in his image. But watch this. In chapter 2, verse 4, Moses summarizes the previous six days of creation by calling them one day of creation. You say, why does he do that? Well, it's very simple, really. Maybe that's not the right word to use in a sermon on Genesis 1 and 2, but, but here's why I think he does it. To tell us that God did it. God created. Thus, in my view, my point and the point of the text this morning is exactly the point that Pastor Jamal made last week from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So here's the main point of my sermon. Worship God. Worship God, who is the sovereign and good creator of the heavens and the earth. Throughout the creation narrative, you'll notice at least two consistent comments. Number one, God created by his word. And number two, everything he created was good. Now, let's quickly walk through the Six days of creation. Still with me this morning? In verses 3 through 5, Moses discusses the first day of creation. And he said, God, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. In verses 6 through 8, Moses discusses the second day of creation. God created a separation between the waters to form the sky, and God's creation was good. In verses 9 through 13, he discusses the third day of creation. God gathered water under the sky into one place and let dry ground appear, and he saw that it was good, and God caused the ground to produce vegetation in accordance with its kind, and God saw that it was good. 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 
verses 14 through 19, is the fourth day of creation. And God created the heavenly lights, the sun, the moon, etc., and he saw that his creation was good. The fifth day of creation, in verses 20 through 25, God created land animals and sea creatures, each one after its kind, and he saw that his creation was good, and he commanded them to be fruitful and to multiply. And then on the sixth day, the climax, the exclamation point, in verses 26 through 31, God created humans, male and female, in his image. And he saw all that he had made, and he said that his creation was very good. And he commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply with each other and to rule and subdue the earth. Thus God created the heavens and the earth, and everything God created was very good, without sin, I want you to hear that this morning. That's coming in chapter 3, isn't it? It comes before chapter 3, actually, but but the curse comes in chapter 3. But before sin entered creation, everything that God made was good without sin. His original design was a good creation without sin and without all of the devastation that sin brings, such as death. Violence and shame and deception and a pandemic. It was all very good in the beginning. That's the end of my sermon. Just joking. I have six applications. (laughs) Number one. Jesus was with God the Father as God the Son in the beginning and with the Spirit in the beginning, creating the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 puts it this way. In the beginning was the Word, and that's Jesus, so I'm going to keep saying Jesus throughout the rest of the text. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made. No, Jesus is not God the Father. You need to understand that. He's God the Son. And the Father does not become the Son. And the Son does not become the Spirit. There's one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And in the beginning... With God creating, was God the Son creating? In fact, the entire Trinity was there creating in the beginning. Second, Jesus, the Jewish God-man, is the image of the invisible God. Listen to this statement very carefully. Jesus did not become a God when he entered this world. God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, became a man. You understand the difference? 
Jesus has always been co-eternal, co-existent with the Father. But in the incarnation, John 1.14, God the Son becomes a man and manifests his glory to the world in bodily form. That's why Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, puts it this way. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold Together, brothers and sisters, Jesus, the Jewish God-man, is the image of the invisible God. Third, as Pastor Jamal said last week, and as I just stated, God is a trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit. It's very important that we put our minds around this. Quite frankly, I think a lot of Baptists are embarrassed by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. But God is a Trinity. It's complex. Father, Son, and Spirit. One God in three persons. One God, the same nature with different functions. But one Trinitarian God, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Jew, the Son of Mary, Jesus is God the Son, distinct from the Father, but one with Him in His nature. If you want to honor God the Father this morning, you must honor Jesus Christ, His Son. With your whole life, by worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth as you live your whole life exclusively devoted to Jesus Christ, the Son. Jesus says it this way in the Gospel of John as he's talking to the woman at the well about the appropriate way to worship God. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24 say this. Jesus says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now listen to what he says in John, 15, John 5, verses 19 through 23, with respect to how to honor God, the Father. He says, truly, truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. And greater works than these will He show Him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but He has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son. Listen to this. 
that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You want to honor God this morning? Honor the Son. Jesus Christ, who came from heaven, to quote the old contemporary song, to earth, to show us the way from the earth to the cross, our debt to pay, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. That's how we lift the Lord's name on high, by worshiping Jesus. Amen? Fourth, God created the world for his glory and for our good. As the old catechism says, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is, the chief end of humanity is, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Because God is the sovereign and good creator of everything in the heavens and the earth, we must live our lives with confidence that he has the power and the integrity to care for us as human beings. The most prized possessions of his creation. He created a good world for his glory without sin. He did not create a sinful world for our manipulation. That's our reality after the fall. But redemption has come in Jesus Christ, God's good creation, it points us, doesn't it? It points us to the promise of a new creation. In between the first creation and the new creation, there's a lot of sin that takes place, isn't there? And we're living right now in that tension of awaiting the future promise of redemption as we live in the present evil age in a fallen world. But Revelation 21 and 22, they're coming, aren't they? Genesis 3.15 in this sermon series, it's coming. And the good creation that God created in the beginning, it points us to the way things will be in the future. They'll be like Eden, but better. Where sin cannot enter in again. This pandemic perhaps has made us believe that God is not a good God. Maybe the other forms of suffering that we've experienced has caused us to believe that. I mean, just think in your own life, some of the struggles you have experienced or are experiencing right now in the past couple of years. In my own family, we've lost a child. So many burdens in this congregation and those burdens can sometimes be like fog that don't allow us to see the goodness of God. But brothers and sisters, God is, is a good God. And Genesis chapters 1 and 2 remind us of that. He's a good God who does good things for His people. And His goodness is one reason why we should worship Him. Not the only reason, but it's one reason. 
May we who have come to know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, worship the good God of creation. Do not worship the creation that our God created. He did not create us, hear this, He did not create us for idolatry. As one pastor has famously said, God created us for worship. God created us to glorify Himself and for us to enjoy Him as He does that. That is, He wants us to live our lives on this earth honoring and serving Him as we live devoted lives to His Son, Jesus. And God created us, hear it again, to enjoy Him forever. Do you enjoy God? (laughs) Do you think of God that way? Do you enjoy Him? When you think of Him, do you think of a good God who wants your ultimate satisfaction to to be found in Him? He wants us to find our deepest joy in Him, our deepest satisfaction in Him. That's what a good God does. He wants those whom he creates to focus on his goodness and his glory and his power and his might and his joy and his delight. There are many things that God created for us to enjoy. Food, exercise. Some of you are like, nah, yeah. Exercise, sleep, sports, work, and if you're married, sex. Don't forget that if clause there. Some of you all just heard God created sex for us to enjoy and think about the if you're married part. If you're married, sex to enjoy. For procreation, yes, within the context of a husband and wife, but also for pleasure, between the context of a husband and a wife. Along with many other things he created. But our ultimate satisfaction and our ultimate joy are to be found in God himself. Not the things our God created for us to enjoy. Let's not be idolaters. Idol worshipers as those in Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 32 whom Paul says exchanged the glory of God for a lie and worship the creation instead of the Creator. Let us instead worship the God of creation with our hearts and souls and mind and strength as we live our lives for Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit as we steward all good things that He freely and gladly gives to us to enjoy. Worship God and love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Don't worship your Christian liberty. And we do have Christian liberty. But if you worship your Christian liberty, 
you become an idolater. You commit idolatry. Just read, for example, 1 Corinthians chapters 8, 9, and 10. What's more important than our Christian liberty is our brother and sister in Christ for whom Christ died. Don't use your freedom in Christ as an occasion to gratify the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So what idols do you have today? Let them go and worship God. Have you made the good things that God created an idol? Surrender those things to God and worship Him. Honor Him. Six, and finally, keep fighting the good fight of faith in God. Because God will never let you go. And you should pray that you'll never let Him go. He's a good God. Do you believe that this morning? I know it's hard to believe. It's hard for me to believe sometimes. He's a good God, intrinsically good. And he's manifest that goodness in chapters 1 and 2, but he's also manifested it by means of promising and accomplishing redemption in Jesus. So don't let go of the gospel. And the first step that you can take this morning in worshiping this good and sovereign God by living your lives faithfully following Jesus is by giving your lives to Jesus Christ if you haven't. And I just want to ask you if you haven't, what are you waiting for? (laughs) Pardon the bad grammar for the sake of making a point. What are you waiting for? He's promised eternal life to all who repent and follow him. This good God who created in the beginning has a new creation that's coming and is fixed around and rooted in and and accomplished by the blood and the resurrection of his son. Don't you want that? Don't you want a new creation without a pandemic, without cancer, without funeral homes, without unemployment lines, without so much sorrow and pain and brokenness? That's the world that's coming. Because God is a good God who creates this world, but a better world that is coming. And if you give your life to Jesus today, turn from your sin and give your heart to Jesus. No, your life might not be perfect. It might get worse in this life. But you have the promise of the new creation and the power of the Spirit to enable you to persevere in faith and hope and obedience in this present evil age. Brothers and sisters, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The Lord is a sovereign and good creator. He's a sovereign creator, a sovereign giver of life and death. He gives and he takes away. It's his breath in our lungs. It's his sun in the sky. It's his money in the bank. Everything he creates belongs to him. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. 
So let us commit afresh today to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and mind, and strength. Because our good God and God alone created the heavens and the earth. As a result, may we worship this good God who creates good things for his image bearers. May we worship the sovereign God of creation by faithfully following Jesus until the end. And if you're struggling with the the goodness of God, meditate this morning, this afternoon. Meditate on verses like Genesis 1 and 2 and other verses that promises you that your God is a good God. And I promise you that in Christ Jesus, that goodness will be experienced forever. As you enjoy Him in this life, if you follow Him, as you experience eternal life with Him in the age to come. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, in the beginning you created the heavens and the earth, but Lord, we know that because of sin, your good creation has fallen And your design, however, has been from the very beginning to redeem some from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. And Father, we thank you that our destination is not the fall. Our destination in Christ Jesus is the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to which the Garden of Eden points, to which your good creation before sin entered points. So, Father, we pray today that you would help those of us who are struggling to hold on to the promises of your goodness in Christ today. Wrap your goodness around us in the power of the Spirit by the beautiful reminder of the gospel. And strengthen our spiritual loins so that we would continue heading on that narrow and difficult path that leads to the new Jerusalem. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you please would come quickly and wrap it up. In Jesus' name, amen. Each Lord's Day at Midtown, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And by your seat, you have a wafer and some juice. But before we partake, I want to remind you what this event represents. And who should partake? If you are a follower of Jesus today, this meal is for you. If you're following Jesus faithfully, now we're all sinners, aren't we? No one's perfect. We're all sinners. This this meal is for saved sinners who are following Christ. If you're following Jesus today, this meal is for you. But if you profess Christ and you're holding on to unrepentant sin, you're not willing to let it go, you're refusing to let it go, then I would encourage you not to partake today or to repent right now, confess it to the Lord and promise to make it right, and then you can partake. But third, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, this meal is not for you. 
There are pastors here and other members who would love to share with you how you can become a Christian and what it would mean for you to participate in this meal together. But if you're not a Christian today, this meal is not for you. On the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, he broke bread, shared it with his disciples, and he said, this bread represents my broken body. Be broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. In the same way, he shared some wine with his disciples, and he said, this wine represents the new covenant of my blood to be shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and drink. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn in Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.